When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me today by himself, just me and him, it's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director, to cover a number of topics. From Ole Miss Athletics returning to some normalcy, the upcoming spring meetings, contracts for Lane Kiffin, Kermit Davis, Coach Yo, even future projects, including renovations to Vaught Hemingway Stadium. A lot to cover in this 40-plus minutes with Keith. But before we get to it, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, Ben on Twitter. Joining me on the Modern Women phone line. In this special edition of Talk of Champions, it's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. Keith, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I got my second vaccination today, so I feel like a new man. You're bulletproof, man. That's right? awesome. I, 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 had, I had mine uh, a couple weeks ago, so I'm uh, feeling good as well. I actually had the virus back in October, so 
hopefully the antibodies uh, are, are are pretty strong inside me. Wait, 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 wait. Did anybody really know you had the virus back in October? You know, it kind of went under the radar. Um, it, it, I had it actually the week that we played Alabama. So I, I watched Alabama in my basement, if you can believe that. Um, and it wasn't a fun experience, honestly. I was throwing things against the wall and, you know, doing all kinds of wild stuff. And so I'm, I'm down in the basement with COVID. My family's upstairs quarantined. And uh, so anyway, but uh, yeah, you know, didn't get really that sick. Had a couple of days where I didn't feel well. But yeah, really didn't get out a whole lot. Not, not a whole lot of people knew about it. I haven't gotten out a whole lot for a year now, but now I'm starting to do it a little bit. Went out to Vault Hemingway on Saturday as the university spokesman, officially, unofficially, whatever all your roles are as athletic director. You got a lot of them. When people talk to you about the vaccine and just getting back to normal, is there a university kind of calling card here? What you're trying to tell people to do to get back to normal? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, it's a personal decision for folks. And, and you know, I think we're in, we're encouraging folks to do it. Um, you know, we're giving our student-athletes the opportunity to do it. Um, a, a lot of our student-athletes are interested in the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine because it's only one shot. And, you know, none of us like getting shots, so I don't really blame them there. But, uh, you know, I think we're probably 35, 40 percent of our of our student athletes have been vaccinated at this time. And, uh, you know, really, it's only been a couple of weeks where they even had the opportunity to do it. So we feel pretty good about where we are. Um, you know, there, there are some incentives, you know, from a standpoint of if you've been vaccinated, some of the contact tracing goes away and you know, different things there. So I think they're you know, they're realizing that if they get vaccinated, one, it's, it's the safe and healthy thing to do. But but secondly, you know, it allows them to not worry about, you know, getting quarantined and, and those type of things. So um, we'll, we'll encourage our staff and student athletes to do it, but certainly, you know, it'll never be a mandate. We'll never, we'll never make them do it. Uh, but we just feel like, you know, getting back to normal and, and, and allowing them to have more of a normal life uh, by getting that vaccine, it, you know, certainly allows them to do that. See, I completely avoid any type of political discussion on this podcast and I'm not going to do it here, but I do appreciate the choice of it but also understanding that the information for the student-athletes is there and they can make that choice from an educated perspective. And that's the way to go about it, I think. And I think a lot of common sense as it pertains to all of this as we get back to normal is an important thing. Is that kind of what your approach has been the whole time, just the common sense, whatever makes the most sense to you and the university staff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's hitting it on the head. And, and you know, I think if you ask the chancellor you know, from a – uh, a regular student population, you know, faculty and staff, it, it's a very similar approach. Again, you know, hoping that, that folks will get it and, and, you know, we can, we can start to really move, move this thing forward. But at the same time, it's a personal decision. We totally understand that. And you know, at the end of the day, if there's some folks that don't want to do it, then, then that's their choice. So, um, you know, it, it is encouraging, you know, Ben, you, you look at the vaccinations, you look at the, the case counts that continue to, to plummet in Mississippi, which has been great. Um, you know, even after we've opened up, you know, a month ago, you know, it seems like the cases continue to go down and those seven day averages are, are in a really good place. So, you know, hopefully with more vaccines getting in the system, uh, you know, that normalcy is, is closer than we think. I just like to see fans in the stands at Swayze for Auburn. You expect a bunch of fans in the stands for the Arkansas series, a huge series this weekend in baseball. But even in a Saturday scrimmage last weekend, for Ole Miss football that was open to the public, fans in the stands of Old Hemingway Stadium watching a practice. It had to be, just like me, a pretty welcome sight just to see people enjoying something that I think we all took for granted before it was taken away. Yeah, you know, how awesome was that Saturday? You know, I was out there for the scrimmage, and, 
you know, just watching our guys run around and you turn around and look up in the stands and there's people there and, and enjoying themselves. It's a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, like you said, we're, we're expecting some really good crowds this weekend for Arkansas over at Swayze and, you know, the, the crowd on Saturday, um, I'm a little nervous, uh, in, in some ways, you know, I'm going to be checking my phone for, you know, texts or calls from the commissioner potentially, but it, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty wild out there. We, we've, we've actually sold just about every ticket that's available for Saturday. So that's going to be a lot of fun. When you watch the Texas Rangers or whoever who have these different types of capacity limits or no limits whatsoever, is Ole Miss taking any kind of cues from anybody else or y'all kind of forming your own, I guess, approach to this in regards to capacity? You know, really, we're we're kind of taking our own approach, and and I'll be honest. You know, we we've actually worked, you know, pretty collaborative uh, collaboratively with Mississippi State. You know, obviously, we we all opened up here in the state at the same time, and you know, we we have home series and they have home series. So we I've talked to John a lot about what they're doing, and you know, we we've tried to kind of be consistent there. Um, you know, from that standpoint, but you know, at the same time, it, it's just hard then when when the state is open for business and you know, folks are, are going around and, and kind of doing their thing. And then, you know, for us to be more restrictive than that, it, it's a hard thing. But at the same time, you, you want to be cautious. You know, I think the, the worst thing that could possibly happen is, you know, we, we have some super spreader event that's traced back to one of our events. And all of a sudden, you know, not only does it hurt us with baseball attendance, but then it, it trickles on into the summer and, and into the fall and hurts us with football attendance. So, you know, we just got to be very cautious with that. You know, certainly a lot of the safety protocols are still in place in the in in Swayze, and uh, we want to continue those. But you know, we we know that folks are, are a lot of folks are ready to move on and, and 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 try to you know start start living their lives again. And so we're gonna we're gonna do it as as cautiously as we can, but at the same time, you know, knowing that uh, you know our our fans and our donors are ready to get back out there and support the rebels. What has the SEC communication been like? What has Greg Sankey said or mandated, if anything, to the ADs, the schools themselves? Well, really no mandates. Um, you know, when we opened back up, um, you know, a month ago or so, you know, I had I had some some good conversations with Greg. And, and I think his main thing was, again, just to, just to approach it with caution. You know, I think for him, um, you know, we worked so hard last summer and got the football season in, and, and that was obviously great for everyone. And you know, I think Greg's ready for, for full stadiums. You know, I think he's ready for us to get back to that hopefully in the fall. Um, but at the same time, you don't want something to get in the way of that, you know, something to, to pop up and, and cause some problems. So, you know, when, when we opened up in Mississippi, kind of his message to me was, hey, I understand where you are. I understand your fans are ready to come back. But if there's any way you could maybe phase this approach and, and, and kind of work itself out, Ben, we had a couple of non-conference series before we got to SEC play you know, obviously midweek games. And, uh, you know, for those games, we never really announced 100% attendance, you know, and technically we haven't announced that yet. But uh, for those games, you know, anybody who wanted a ticket, they were able to get in. We had some pretty nice crowds, you know, in in those couple series. Uh, But obviously nothing compared to what, you know, we knew we would have for SEC baseball. And so, you know, now we're kind of back where we want to be. But at the same time, you know, keeping him abreast of what we're doing and, and, and the safety protocols that we're, we're you know, we're, we're doing as well. But uh, Greg's just been such a great leader through this whole pandemic. Um, you know, the SEC has been you know, really just the, the, the standard for, for the way that things have been done. And, um, you know, it, no different in this situation. You know, different states have different policies and opening up at different times. And, you know, Mississippi and Texas were, were kind of out front. So, um, you know, we were kind of the guinea pigs, if you will. But uh, I think so far it's been good, and, and Greg's shown a lot of good leadership.
Well, some news in college baseball this week. The NCAA is going to have predetermined regional sites, and obviously Ole Miss will be submitting a bid. What does that mean, and how will Ole Miss approach it? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been a little bit overblown um, in some ways. I mean, I, the bid process will be very similar, just happening earlier. Um, you know, I think we have to have our bid in by Monday of next week, and then they're going to award the sites on May 10th, which obviously, you know, normally they award those, you know, after the conference tournaments. And so, you know, if, if, if we continue to play well, obviously we'll submit our bid. And if, if we continue to play well, I think we're going to, we're going to, you know, be awarded that bid. Uh, you know, really the biggest difference is that if for some reason after we are awarded the bid, uh, we don't play as well and somehow split down to maybe a, a two seed uh, and, and don't get a host uh, here in Oxford, then we would go somewhere else, and but we would still have to host in Oxford. So, you know, that, that's, the, that's the interesting part of this and, and the part that, you know, really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, the other part of it, Ben, is that if, if we were to play a regional tomorrow, uh, there's a 25% capacity limit that, that's mandated from the NCAA. So, uh, you know, obviously working through that behind the scenes, uh, you know, it's going to be really, really difficult. And uh, I've started losing sleep again on capacity. I, I did all summer last year. But, you know, telling our, our folks that, hey, I'm sorry, 75% of you can't come to the game, uh, you know, that's going to be a really hard thing to do. And so we're kind of working behind the scenes on that to see if we can get that capacity uh, you know, uh, lifted and, and, and try to get those numbers up. But uh, certainly a few moving parts there. But at the end of the day, uh, I feel confident that we're going to host a regional. We're going we're gonna to be right there where we need to be. And if we continue to play well, hopefully get that national seed and, and position ourselves to, to make that trip to Omaha. Man, there are a couple of interesting questions there. First off, there's a chance that even if there's an Oxford regional and Ole Miss might be a two seed, it wouldn't be an away team necessarily at its home it would be somewhere else. There's no guarantee it would be playing at home. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like you, you could, you could win the bid. You could be awarded the bid to host uh, in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi could be awarded the bid. Um, but if for some reason our level of play slipped and we were, um, you know, no longer a one on the one seed line and we were a two seed and had to travel, we, we could be hosting an event here in Oxford without Ole Miss playing in the event. <laughs> And so that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting, you know, part of it, uh, which, which, you know, we, we don't think that's going to happen. We feel like, you know, we love our team and we feel like we're going to play great baseball. Uh, but you kind of do put yourself out there a little bit by, by, you know, putting the bid in and, and being awarded the bid that, you know, you may not be the team playing there if, if things didn't go well. And as far as capacity, now baseball isn't football. It's not the biggest kind of money earner like a football capacity situation is. But do regionals actually bring in good amounts of revenue for the university? Does that matter for you guys? Does that help? Especially considering it, what y'all have gone through for the last year. Yeah, so just just um, with rough numbers, you know, when, when we host a regional, we bring in two to $250,000 that we net at the end of that event. Hmm. And so it's a, it's a big deal. You know, it really is. And obviously, you know, hosting and, you know, that's the formula to, to continue your postseason run competitively as well. But you know, financially, it's it's a moneymaker for us. And so if we're looking at 25%, even 50%, uh, you know, there's a break-even point there at some point where you, know, you, you hope you can just break even. And um, and then, you know, obviously we hope that we can increase that attendance as we go and, and maybe get up closer to 100%. But, yeah, it's very lucrative to host a regional at Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, those, those, that money is, is used. And, uh, you know, we would hope that we can get it again this year. 
Are y'all going to have the SEC meetings in person or virtually? Um, man, I think I think the thought process is that we're leaning towards virtual. Um, we actually do have an in-person meeting later this month, but they're not the the, the late May, you know, destined meetings. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm thinking right now that likely those those you know, typical destined meetings will will likely be virtual. So, what are going to be the big issues, the big topics to discuss? Well, you know, there, there's a lot of things. You know, obviously, you know, name, image, and likeness is a big one. You know, that's really going to start to pop here over the next couple of months. Um, so, really, right in that time frame for you know late May to, to really dive into, um, you know, the the one-time transfer we think is going to likely get passed at the NCAA Council level this month here in April, uh, which which then opens up a discussion about the SEC interconference uh, rule with the transfer because. Right now, uh, even if on a national level, um, the one-time transfer was passed where you could immediately go and play somewhere else, within the conference, there's a, a conference policy that says if you go conference school to conference school, you have to sit out a year. So that discussion will, will take place on if we want to you know, continue with that policy or change that policy. Um, there, there's a lot of things that are going on. So um, you know, I think you know, COVID has really dominated everything, and, and there will be a lot of COVID discussion, you know, where we go and what we're anticipating for football and, you know, a lot of those things. So uh, I anticipate a full agenda. And, you know, again, the, the great thing that Greg and, and the folks at the SEC office have done is the communication level has just been fantastic, really, since March of last year. Um, you know, we've, we've met more than we've ever met. We've talked about issues more than we ever have in the past. Um, so really, you know, as you go into Destin, uh, you know, you're, you're officially meeting and formally meeting, but really along the way with Zoom calls and you know, all those things, uh, there, there's not a lot of things that we haven't already initially discussed. Uh, we'll just be finalizing some things there. We'll get right back to Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance, 
Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. So where do you stand on name, image, and likeness and everything that's going out with it? You know, I'm all for it, honestly. You know, I think if it's done the right way, I think our student athletes deserve the opportunity to, you know, to, to, to profit from their, their name, image, and likeness. You know, if you're a normal student at Ole Miss and, you know, my, my kids and and some of our, our staff members laugh at me all the time because I'm, I'm not a super techie person, but, you know, you look at some of these social media influencers and the money they make and the things that they do, um, you know, normal Ole Miss student can go do that and, and, and get rich off of it. And so, you know, why shouldn't a student athlete be able to do the same? You know, I, I don't understand that. And so we're, we're all for, you know, giving student athletes more opportunities and, and giving them those opportunities to, you know, to, to grow their brand and, and do those things. Now, I think where it gets tricky is when you start with the pay-for-play model. So if, 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 you know, there's a bill out there that basically calls for 50% of athletics department revenue to go back to the student athletes and go into their pockets. And it's just not a feasible model. You know, if we're giving 50% of our revenues to, to student athletes, um, you know, we're going to have a hard time, you know, running our operating budget, you know, at that point. So there's just a lot of things and nuances to it. I think there's a lot of unintended consequences to really any model that you go. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm all for student athletes. I'm all for them having the opportunity to, to grow themselves and their brand. And, you know, I think if there are third parties out there that want to, you know, pay them to, to do things for them, if there's a local, you know, hardware store that wants to, you know, invite a student athlete to come out and sign autographs and pay them 500 bucks, I have no issue with that whatsoever. But we do need to get our arms around it from a compliance standpoint uh, and, and make sure that it's done the right way. What about at the university store? If there's a jersey that has number two on it, but not Matt Corral's last name, can you start putting a last name on that jersey and then giving him some of the profits off of that? You know, again, all, all of that, Ben, just the rules to the game, we, we don't know yet. You know, I think what you run into there is um, it, it goes a little bit into the group licensing concept, you know, where if you're selling jerseys, if you're selling you know, different things that, that have, uh, you know, the, the, the football team on it, or, you know, does that, is that money dispersed evenly amongst the team? You know, is Matt Corral, because of his high-profile nature, does he get a, a larger cut of that? Um, you know, I think all of that is up for discussion. And so, you know, I think what we're going to see here over the next, you know, six to 12 months is a lot of this really come into form. Um, we're going to kind of know what we're dealing with a little more. And, and certainly we're going to be, you know, on the forefront of that. Uh, we have actually hired a third-party company um, called Influencer that's going to help us, you know, manage this once we know the rules to the game. Um, they're already under contract, and, and they're going to be a big part of helping our student-athletes grow their brands, uh, you know, learn the rules of the game. You know, the, the things that we don't think about is all of a sudden, you know, these student-athletes have a tax obligation. You know, they have, you know, things that they're they're dealing with. They have will likely have agents that help them, you know, find the best, you know, media deals and name image and likeness deals. So you know, there's just a lot of moving parts to it. And, and we knew we were going to need some help. So we, we brought that third party in. You obviously we'll have to bolster our compliance department and, and a lot of things there, but uh, you know, name image and likeness, Ben, I think it's going to change our world and our industry maybe more than anything in the, in the, in the past 30 years. 
Look, the reason why I ask more than anything is I'm just trying to get a college football game back, Keith. That's it. A video <laughs> game. That's what I want. I want college football back in my game console. Absolutely. You know, there, there's been a push for that lately. And, um, you know, it, it's, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of universities are a little hesitant to jump on board with anything just yet because, again, we don't know the rules to the game. Um, but, you know, you look at some of EA Sports or whatever it is, again, that, that goes back to that group licensing piece. Um, you know, if you're doing football, if you're doing basketball, you know, not only is it Matt Corral that should get compensated for that, you know, it's, it's every player on the team because they're on that roster in that video game. And so I think that there's just a lot of, uh, of things that we need to learn and, and work through. But, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll start to see this piece by piece and step by step, you know, become a little more clear over the next six to 12 months. You did touch on it, freedom of movement for players. There's a lot of momentum, it seems like, not only for the one-year penalty-free transfer, which we've all expected to pass for over a year now, but in the conference, kids transferring and not being penalized. Do you feel like the momentum is on the player's side there? You know, I'm not sure. Um, well, let me take it back. I think a lot of what's happening, the momentum is on the player side right now. And I think that's, that's a good thing in some ways. And in some ways, you know, it, it worries me from a standpoint of, you know, I love the amateur model. You know, I love what college athletics is. And you know, that's why I got in this business, why I love being a student athlete. Um, and so I hope that we don't go to the point that all of a sudden we've got another pro model. You know, we've gone from the amateur model to, you know, our, our players can move freely and, there's free agency basically every year and, and, and all of that. So to me, it's about finding that perfect balance of giving the student athletes the, the, the branding opportunities and the freedom of movement that they need, but at the same time holding on to that amateur model. So I'm not sure where we're going to land with the SEC, Ben. I think it's a, it's a pretty evenly split uh, thought process right now around the league. I think you've got you know, ADs and presidents that would like to hold on to the policy. And you got some that, that want to change it, you know. So I think the discussions here over the next, you know, three or four weeks are going to be very crucial in that. And you know, I think by the time we get to that late May time frame, you know, kind of that that destined meeting time frame, we'll we'll probably get some answers on that. Just seems like the toothpaste is out of the tube because the portal, if you look at it now, it's effectively college basketball free agency, and I don't see how you rein that in at all anymore. It kind of is the new normal. Even programs that won a lot, they're still having four or five guys transfer out. Ole Miss had guys transfer out. So how that takes over college football, if it does at all, will be what the thing to watch. But what do you think about the portal and how that's impacted college basketball? That's your sport. Yeah, you know, the, the portal has, has really changed a lot. And you're seeing every year, you, you make a great point. You know, it's not just, you know, mid-majors or, or – or, you know, lower level power five. I mean, you're, you're seeing the, the blue bloods, you know, you're, you're seeing these, these traditional powerhouses that are having players transfer in. And now, I mean, you look at UCLA, they, one of their main guys was a transfer from Kentucky, you know? And so it just, you're going to see it every single year. Um, I think what you're going to see, and we actually have this in a few of our sports already, but you're going to see these programs basically hire general managers because, because they're just going to be managing rosters. You know, that's what they're going to be working on. They're going to be checking the portal every single morning. Who's out there? You know, who, who could we bring in to fill a, a void or a need that we have? Um, but, but I do think, too, Ben, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's some astronomical number of players. I think it's like twelve or 1,300 that are in the football transfer portal right now. Um, and I just worry at some point that we're going to look back in five years and the data is going to show us that, you know, a, a lot of these players who go into the portal, they end up ending up in a, in a, in a neutral or worse position than they were before they got in. Um, I think that a lot of these players are going in thinking they're going to get re-recruited like they were in high school and there's going to be all these suitors that are coming to, 
to pluck them up and, and take them to this great situation. And I think the data is probably going to show us that a lot of these guys, maybe a large percentage of these folks, um, don't land in a great spot or maybe not in a spot at all when it's all said and done. And so, you know, I worry a little bit about that, that everybody's thinking the grass is greener and I'm going to hop in this portal and everything's going to be rosy. At the end of the day, it's going to cost some young people some opportunities. So, uh, again, I'm all for freedom of movement. You know, if I wanted to move tomorrow, I could. If a coach wants to move tomorrow, they could, you know, and and not sit out or have to not coach or administrate or whatever. Um, So I'm all for players being able to play. But at the same time, I think, again, the, the, the word to me that's, that's so the, the phrase that's so prevalent in college athletics right now is unintended consequences. I think there's so many things that we think we're doing these great things, and all of a sudden you look back in a couple of years and, and a lot of things that we didn't think about uh, have kind of taken over. So I worry about that. No, you touch on something that I've brought up many times on this podcast because I know it's happened with a couple of old Miss kids that have entered the portal and realized this is not what they thought they were getting themselves into. So I wonder if – this doesn't change the recruitment of players in high school and how schools provide information to them. Because if you're a kid, and I'm just using Alabama as a point of reference here, if you're a kid, a top-ranked kid, and there's five running backs that were five stars or four stars on Alabama's roster, and you're going in there, there's a chance you're going to end up in the portal. And schools kind of look at you once you get in that portal as damaged goods unless you just meet an immediate need for them. So I think schools are going to have to approach it differently as far as how they educate high school prospects about, are you sure this is the right situation for you? Because this is what the new normal is. This is what the portal looks like. This is what the reality is. For a lot of these kids, once they get in, maybe this place is better suited for you. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think it, it, it brings up a couple of other points, too. One, um, you know, coaches every single year are going to have to re-recruit their own players, college coaches, because all of a sudden it's easy to get in the transfer portal. You're not only recruiting new players, uh, you know, freshmen or JUCO or, or whatever that looks like, but we're recruiting our current players to stay with us. Um, and then one thing that Lane's mentioned several times is that, you know, a lot of times in the recruiting process, you know, you finish second, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the, the student athlete loved what you had to offer, but for whatever reason, they felt like this other school was a better fit and, and they go to that other school. Well, now it's going to be so important that, that when you get, when you finish second, that you maintain a really good relationship with that kid, because guess what? He goes to that Alabama or he goes to whatever school, you know, decides after a year, there's too many players here. I'm in a log jam. I'm going in the portal. Well, all of a sudden, you know, we had a great relationship with Coach Kiffin and his staff. Boom, we're going back there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's just going to really start to, to change the way, you know, used to when you finish second, maybe you, you got upset with the student or what, you know, why didn't you come here or whatever. Well, now it's about, hey, let's let's maintain that relationship and make sure that, you know, they know they're always, you know, welcome and, and, and we, we still love them as a player and a human being because, you know, it may come full circle with the portal being so prevalent. This is totally going to sound like a message board question, but the only reason why I ask it, is because I see it on the message board constantly. Lane Kiffin's contract, has everything settled? Has he signed it? Do we know the buyout language? Is there anything you can share new about that contract? Um, well, I, I know the buyout language. Ah, um, uh, there you go. It. There uh, you go. <laughs> no, it has been signed. We're, we're, we're signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, he's very, very happy. We're very happy. Uh, there was a couple of things at the very end of the negotiation and, and negotiation is a strong word. We, we were done with the negotiation, but there was just a couple of things that we had to hammer out at the end that took us a little longer to get it to the finish line. But uh, we're in a really good place and we're, we're going to put those terms out at some point. We're just not quite ready to do it yet. Um, but I, I think Lane is very happy with where he is. And, 
you know, he's, uh, he's, he's putting down some roots here in Oxford, which is really good. And, um, you know, I, I think the sky is the limit and, and our staff is great. Our recruiting is great. Um, so I'm in a, I'm in a really bullish place with our football program right now. All right. I'm going to put you on the record. So you're saying that eventually all of those numbers are going to come out, even the buyout and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know about the buyout. You know, I'm not sure we've uh, ever really put the buyout, but, uh, we, we'll put the terms out. We'll put the terms out at some point. We'll put the incentives out at some point and, and all of that. But, uh, you, you may have to ask a little harder for the buyout. Oh, I'm not I, sure about that. Never going to get the buyout, man. You got that in the foundation. I'm never going to be <laughs> able to get that. Come on. And the people are going to keep saying, Ben, what's well, the buyout? Got, got nothing. You got to remember, Ben, I, I came up in the foundation, so I, I know how the mm-hmm. foundation works and how those foundation contracts work. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can we can keep those close to the vest over there. Yep, yep. As far as Kermit's contract, did you roll them over? We did. We sure did. We got Kermit rolled over and, you know, obviously, you know, made the announcement on Coach Yo. So, um, you know, we talked to Kermit about, you know, the, the year wasn't exactly what we wanted. And, you know, we, we, the NCAA tournament is always the, the goal and the standard. And, and certainly he knows that more than anyone. And, uh, you know, we had some ups and downs and you know, I'll be honest, Ben, with, with our, with our men's program this year, you know, if you, if you remember back right at the beginning of the season, your current Kermit ended up getting COVID. Um, you know, we ended up having to shut down for about 17 days and it was really right there at the beginning of the season. And, um, I think the way we started off the season really kind of showed that, you know, that we were, we were lagging behind a little bit. We missed out on a few games there that we maybe should have won, had opportunity to win. And then, then we got hot, you know, you we won like 10 out of 13 and, and played, played pretty well and just didn't quite have enough down the stretch to, to get into the big dance. But, uh, you know, I know Kermit's got a great plan for next year, obviously some moving pieces with the roster and some different things, but, uh, you know, I know they've got a great plan for, uh, for getting that, that program where it needs to be. And then, Obviously, Coach Yo with a strong finish in the uh, in the NIT, and you know, one win away from winning that. Obviously, most of the most of the team coming back and adding a few pieces, you know, feel really good about where we are on the women's side as well. Well, I'm curious because you're a basketball guy, and this is something I was pretty vocal on Twitter about this actually because it drove me crazy. Ole Miss is one of two programs, including Louisville, both happened this year, with seven combined quad one and quad two wins to not make the NCAA tournament. It all goes back to almost being penalized for a non-con it didn't get because of COVID. And it just seemed like if you looked at the resume compared to other teams, comparable teams that got in, Ole had a better resume and actually had an equal, if not better resume to the 2018 resume when they got in as an eight seed. So I think this year, judging Kermit and not getting into the NCAA tournament, you kind of got to put an asterisk by it, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, you look through the season, if, if Kermit was on this call, he'd say the same thing. I mean, we had opportunities. You know, there were some games there right. that, yeah. you know, if you, don't lose, if you don't lose a couple of them, you're probably in. If you win one more, you're probably in. So, you know, no, no excuses being made. But at the same time, yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at our resume, you know, the, the, the net ranking was probably a little higher than we needed to be for a traditional, you know, at-large bid. But all the other metrics were there. Um, you know, I spent, I spent probably four or five days is sending all those those tidbits of information and data to Mitch Barnhart, who was the chair of the committee and obviously a friend from the SEC. Um, and, and, you know, he was great. And, and, you know, certainly he called me after and kind of explained, you know, where they landed with us. And, you know, we were basically the third team that was left out and just didn't quite have enough of, of resume according to them. But um, we were right there. And, and again, you know, the, the whole key is putting yourself in the conversation. Um, you know, you learn things from this year. You learn that you got to, you got to win one of those big non-conference games. You got to, 
you got to you know win that SEC tournament game when you get the opportunity and those type of things. But uh, you're right. I mean, we were right there. We were, you know, we were one or two teams away from getting in. And you know, as we saw this year, if you get in, you can make a run. You know, our team could have easily made a run and made it to Sweet 16. Um, you know, we could have done that. So we're going to keep working and, and rebuild this roster a little bit, and, and hopefully next year we'll be on the other side of that bubble. What was the explanation for Mitch? Because there was really nothing that made sense to me. And I might be sounding like a homer here, but I just look at the math, and math doesn't lie. Yeah, I, I think it all boiled down, Ben, to the fact that we had not been talked about most of the season. We, you make the run at the end, and basically when, when you're trying to make up ground like we were, it's just hard to do. You know, it's just hard to do. All, all of the stars have to align. You've got to win the games you're supposed to win down the stretch and, and maybe a couple that, that you're not supposed to. And I think ultimately it came down to, to one game. You know, I think if, if you win LSU, you're probably in. Um, you know, and so I think that we just didn't quite have enough. He said we were moving up their board, um, you know, in, in, the, in the weeks up to the, to, the, to the selection. And it just, we got to a point where we plateaued and we just didn't move up anymore. And so that's where getting off to a great start, you know, having the national buzz around you. I think that's what's so great about baseball for us this year. You know, we, we're, we're up in the top five all year. We've had some very quality wins. People are talking about us. You know, they're talking about us as a national seed. And if you're, if you're having that buzz and you're having all that along the way, you know, it's hard to fall off. It, it's a lot harder to fall off that than it is to, to jump in, you know, to jump into that, you know, coming from behind. So I think that's kind of what we ran into in basketball and, and basically just ran out of time, ran out of wins. And uh, even though the resume on paper you know, maybe looks similar or maybe even a little better to some of these other teams, I think what happened is is that you know we we were we were coming from behind the whole time and we just didn't quite have enough to to make it up the board far enough. Well, boy, that completely blows a hole in my whole belief that they were just looking at blind resumes. That is not the case at all. No, I mean Mitch, and again, once they kind of got into their committee. Um, I was sending him texts, but he wasn't responding, which I knew he wouldn't. <laughs> but he called me. He he called me right after the selection, and and you know made that explanation, and it made some sense. You know, it made some sense to me. Um, oh come and, and on, honestly, man! You know, I don't know how you have the patience, man. I wouldn't have it at all. I just wouldn't. Well, you got to remember, Mitch is also the. You know, he'll also be on the committee next year. Yes. So yes. okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's one yes. of those like you, you don't want to you don't want to burn bridges and you don't want to do those type of things, but. Um, you know, we, we had opportunities, you know, if you're realistic about it, we had opportunities to, you know, to, to, to go through the front door instead of, you know, trying to sneak through the back door, you know, if you will. And, um, you know, next year, I hope that we can, we can do that. And again, I, you make a great point. I think a lot of our, a lot of our, our season this year, um, has an asterisk by it because of COVID and because of some of the things we had to deal with. And, um, you know, overall, I think Kermit and the staff did a fantastic job. You know, there's just a lot of nights we, we just didn't make enough shots, couldn't make shots. And, I know he's trying to address that in the offseason. You get a regular non-con, you win 20 games, and you're probably in as an eight seed. Anyway, got to move on because I know you got to go. <laughs> um, looking at future projects, I ask you about this every time I have you on, but what is Ole Miss working on now that things are starting to look like they're getting back to normal? Yeah, we actually have a, a pretty cool um, situation going. We, we employed a third-party master plan company last week. Uh, we did interviews and selected uh, HOK to do that for us. So they're going to be on campus shortly. Uh, we've got about eight or nine projects that we want to incorporate into this master plan, um, one of which is a, a renovation to the Manning Center, a new weight room, a new locker room, uh, basically just a, a total you know, overhaul of, of graphics and, and a lot of things over there just to touch that up and make that a, a lot better uh, facility. 
uh, softball, soccer, golf. Uh, we're already working on track and field right now. There's a few other things. And then ultimately, Ben, we want to look at the west side of the football stadium. You know, yeah, that's, that's what something I was that we ask. think is important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that we're going to we're going to look at. And, you know, we're, we're afraid that the architects are going to tell us that, you know, we got to we got to tear this thing down and, and start from the slab. Um, but, but again, that's why we're going to bring them in. We're going to have them take a look. And, you know, our hope is to, to make that kind of the crowning jewel of this new master plan and campaign that we hope to roll out later this year. If that is what they say, is that realistic? Uh, well, Ben, what architects have always told me over the years is we can do whatever we want. It only takes money to do it. <laughs> so um, we, we will absolutely look at all options. Um, like I said, I've been in Dallas and in Houston the past couple of days doing some fundraising and uh, you know talking about some of these projects, kind of a quiet phase of, of this campaign and, and, and getting the word out a little bit. So um, we, we want to do what's best. And, and I think think the thing that we want to talk about with this stadium, you know, right now, if you look at our stadium, we kind of have three or four different, you know, architectural designs and some different looks, and it's kind of a hodgepodge, if you will. And so I think as we look at this west side, not only are we going to talk about how do we make that look really good and bring in new premium suites and, and make the amenities really, really cool, but also how do we how do we take that around to the north end? How do we move that around to the east side of the stadium at some point in the future so that we can really start to have a long-term master plan of what our stadium could look like in, you know, 20 years and and have some symmetry and, and make sure that, the, you know, it's a stadium that we're all proud of and, and looks really good. That's like a 2030s type of finish, right? Uh, no, the, the west side of the stadium, you know, we're, we're thinking that it could potentially be, you know, 2026, 2027, um, you know, in that time frame. But again, we got to get started. We got to raise money. You know, we have no idea, you know, we haven't, we have some idea how much this is going to cost, but you know, once we get the cost estimates, uh, a little more finely tuned, you know, we'll be able to look at that. But yeah, we, we want to be aggressive with it. Um, and we think that overall this new campaign could be anywhere from, you know, 250 to $300 million. When did you sneak in this fluffy shark redesign? When did that happen? I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. Has the mascot not been redesigned? It has not crossed my desk if it has been. Um, I don't, I don't, I honestly am not sure about a fluffy shark. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I saw, the reason I ask is because I saw on Twitter. You may Twitter, be breaking news to me. I saw on Twitter, and of course, Twitter is the most reliable of places, but I saw on Twitter there was a graphic tweeted out with the shark, and he looked different. He looked, he didn't look as lizardy and muscular as you're used to seeing. No disrespect, it's just he didn't look like that. So I didn't know if y'all redesigned I, I, it, I, snuck it in. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will, I will talk to our folks, and the next time we do one of these, I will give you a, a very, uh, in-depth update on the shark i'll see what i can find out <laughs> is that something that you've actually looked into is that something you've actually thought about at all i mean we do ben because it is a, a topic that comes up i mean you know we've got people that have fallen in love with the shark and we got people that hate the shark and you know i think everybody really likes the concept and the story behind you know the land shark and, and that type of thing with tony and, and everything that that means but yeah, the, the the design and and the actual on field and and that type of thing, we we do have discussions on that. But I'll be honest, I haven't had one in a long time, and, and this one this one has kind of caught me off guard a little bit. So I probably need to to get in there tomorrow and talk to our folks and see what what the heck's going on. I look forward to the text of Ben. We really did design redesign this fluffy shark tomorrow. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and that 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 may be exactly what happens. I may find out something tomorrow that. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been talking about NIL and, and one-time <laughs> transfers and, you know, COVID protocols, but shoot, 
all, all along, we're redesigning the shark. Who knows? Ah, who knows? It's Ole Miss. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you. We'll catch up again. All right, Dan. Talk to you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.